to the Holly and Hideout podcast. My name is Holly and Jimmy. Joining me is my co-host, Andrew Blaze. What's up? What is up? And Guys. and coming back for the home tea time is Mr. Shano from the Organic Poison podcast. What's up, bro? What's up, guys? Happy to be back. I'm looking forward to this conversation we're about to have. Yes, and today we're doing Back Into the Pit. We're taking two old school metalcore bands, I am defending asking Alexandria, and he, Mr. Shano himself, will be defending the Devil Wears Prada. Poorly. Poorly defending the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, I was just kind of like, you kind of win. I'm like, you got to ask Alexandria, dude. Like, there was a documentary about them, for God's sake. <laughs> so, how are we doing this? We're going to be looking at the first three albums, because after that, you know, fuck, fuck both these bands after that, you know, better bands came out over the time. Yeah, I said that. Anyway. Oh, that's fair. Would you like? Would you like to take it? Look, look, man. There might not be very many uh, triggered Devil Wears Prada fans right now, but there's definitely some triggered asking Alexandria fans. Oh, there. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey! The Zombies EP two. Okay, was great. Great. It's done. Anything better than asking Alexandria gets done. That's the only thing I gotta say right now. <laughs> the zombie, the zombie EP. Yeah, the Zombies EP and the Zombies EP two has been like. Like the first album, the second album, those two EPs has been like the Delmore's part of staple music. And actually, uh, Jenner's just like, hey, look, we just want to fuck bitches, have rock and roll, and you know, do drugs. That's the thing. <laughs> See, I think I think a good part of this conversation. Oh, they even have a damn what a fucking song about his penis sizes or something. What was it like American <laughs> American <laughs> standard? They have a song about a one night stand called not the not the American average. I was like, so what's the British average? What, six? Is that it? Uh, in the song, they go 10 inch. Oh, 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 oh God. Wow. You know, that's a goddamn lot. <laughs> British is over there packing that heat. Uh, sorry, I was choking out, but. Uh, that 10, boy. <laughs> He's rocking a roll. <laughs> okay, look, check this out. The first album by Asking Alexandria that came out, uh, that was on Sumerian Records. So it probably wasn't their first project, but it was the first project that we were privy to. Uh, and, you know, look, this album was the shit. It was called Stand Up and Scream. They recorded it with a guy named Joey Sturges. Now, obviously, I'm using... uh Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's very it's obvious. I, I, I'm using Wikipedia as reference, but I remember specifically with this first album, I was still into metal music pretty hardcore back then. <clears throat> and all my friends were super into this band. Well, they recorded 
that that album with the guy who produced the first two. I know the first two, possibly the first three, uh, a plea for purging albums. And some of you out there, I know James knows a little bit about a plea for purging. Yep, yep, yeah, and like. Joy- so- Joey Sturgis was one of the biggest producers of metalcore bands in that time of era to begin with. He did so many metalcore album bands that like he, he, he made his own genre of music by doing that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure cause he did, I want to say he did uh some of bring me the horizons early music too. I could okay. be wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has to be. Oh, all those bands are probably broke as fuck, but he's like, I made a, I made a genre. Y'all's in. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, here we go. Uh oh, he's so low, we can't hear him. <laughs> well, okay. while he has okay. technical, okay. I think it's fixed now. Like we're watching you do this. Like you're not even doing anything. <laughs> just, just putting your hands around and just like I don't like that. I don't like to be touched. Can you hear me now? Good. Yes. Okay. Whatever was just going on, it had something to do with my mic cable, and it was just losing its mind. I need a mic cable. Yeah, like I do. Like I did. Well. <laughs> It is, it is working now. Anyway, I, I'm sure we could take the time to look at Joey Sturgis's full, uh, lineup of albums produced, but I think we could also live without doing that. Yeah, no, dude, we don't have to do a list for every single thing. The li- Joey Sturgis, the list. Well, it, it, it is, it is relevant just for the fact of how big of a deal it was. It's like literally just say same hey, kid hey, stuff. Okay. Look, if anybody wants to go, no, if anyone wants to learn about Joey Sturgis, go to the, uh, the NBA punk rock guy, whatever his name is, on YouTube. Yeah, and, yeah, he has a about. whole entire video about Joey Sturgis and how he helped influence the metal scene, worse or bad. Yeah, like he did Attack Attacks album. He did uh, My Children, My Bride, the big album that they had. He did that album. The big, oh. the big We Came as Romans album, which came out around the same exact time as Stand Up and Scream. Obviously, the list goes on and on. I actually didn't realize that he continued to be such a figure in the uh in that genre because the list just goes on for all the albums that he did throughout uh the 2010s as well as the uh you know the earlier years because it looks like his first big album that he recorded was the first album of the Devil Wears Prada which came out it looks like uh Damn near ten years before, not really. No, it was more like four. God years. damn! Well, yeah, I think, sorry, the, I, think I think the first Devil Wears Prada came out with two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand August twenty second, two thousand six, and that album came out after we already knew about them because of MySpace. Right. Yeah, that, that we already had been listening to their music when their album came out. So it just, I mean, just as a you know, Joey Sturgis did their first album, and that's the first album that they have listed on here that he did. So. That's crazy to think about, though. I didn't realize that he – I thought that he did one of their albums, but I didn't know it was that one. But it also looks like Joey Sturgis did Plagues as well. So asking Alexandria and uh, and uh, the Devil Wars Prada both have ties, deep ties, it seems, to uh, Joey Sturgis mm-hmm. as far as production and engineering goes. 
and develop yeah. and develop developing their sound. I mean, for both artists, which is crazy. I didn't even think about it like that until just now. I mean, copy paste. You know, dudes with long hair. Oh, well, you, you know you, what Travis Barker's doing now, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But like at the time, you know, there was no, there was no shortage of like teenagers in bands that wanted to be better than they were. Oh my God! Just take a second. I was on Spotify today, and I came across that Spotify's because I listened to one song with Corpse. You know who that is? Uh, no. Corpse, see, he he he's a streamer. He's got like a really deep deep uh, deep dark voice who uh he raps a little, and I like I like his music because the way he does stuff is like very weebish, like one one to two minute song stuff. Sure. So I I, I enjoy listening to him. Anyway, he's got one song with Machine Gun Kelly, and I, every once in a while I'll play it because it's not that bad of a song. But I saw that Machine Gun Kelly had a song with this female artist called Emo Girl Not Dead or something like that. I know who it is. Sue is Willow Smith. Willow, Willow yeah. Smith's daughter, Willow. Yeah. 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 She actually made some pretty good alternative music, though. Yeah, yeah. And I heard he was on. I was like, damn. I saw mm-hmm. on Instagram like four days ago. He was like, tomorrow. And it was like a picture of him and her. So I like, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I Tomorrow. guess he's promoting his shit, but still, it was like he had just put. It's like I'm putting out a song with Willow Smith, and I'm like, I mean, we can talk as much shit about him as we want, but he is clearly getting his tentacles yeah, inside this whole emo revival thing. So it's a wrap. Yeah. He's got a new album coming out called Mainstream Sellout. Good for him. Like, dude, I'm telling you, and it's got like the Anarchy A and the and where it says Mainstream. Of course, it does. It's of course another him and Travis Barker. It's gonna be probably even more punk. No, rock no, 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 no! Don't even say it's him. It's just Travis Barker. It's, it's Travis Barker. Barker. <laughs> That's it. Anyway, so that was part of Shane. God, I'm not even sick. I don't know why my throat is so dry. Ten inch, I guess. <laughs> just <a bunch. laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we'll just go ahead and continue to say "Stand Up and Scream," the first album by uh, by the boys, asking Alexandria. This album was crazy. Uh, I mean, you had other bands that have come from the UK, but these guys, when they pulled up on the on the scene, and they had like the you know what was what was that one big song that they had? Or, I say that the intro, a, pro- a prophecy, yeah, a but prophecy. But why, 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 why are you caping for James right now? Be I, I, they ain't I, your side. I know. I understand. <laughs> You're I understand. doing this wrong. I'm sorry. I understand. I'm sorry. I, I He's just, like, I really wanted to actually understand. <laughs> what do you? What? Okay, James. Well, what is it that you think about their first album? Okay, so the first album. You know, I remember it was me, you, and Tyler Jackson. We sat down in my front room, and you're like, "You ever listen to Jackson?" You, you asked me if I ever listened to him, and I was like, "Nah, I don't know who that is, and I don't really care." So yeah. I remember <laughs> you made me download that album, and me, we, we all three sat down, and listened to it. You and Tyler was popping off about, it, and I was just like. Okay, it's decent enough. And then, like, I really sat down and listened to it on my own. I was like, all right, I like it. It definitely grew on me first because I used to make fun of it to all my friends because, like, Dakota and Clint and all them and Jack because they were obsessed with this band. Yeah, especially, especially the final episode, let's change the channel. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, uh, okay. If only he knew about the white. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was just, so, it was so core, if that makes sense. It like, was didn't, very didn't, core. didn't they, was it, was it them or Attack Attack who brought in what they call like the crab walk or whatever? That was Attack Attack. Okay. Yeah. 
I can't tell the difference. Same, same, same era. Attack Attack might have been around a little bit before them, but it was the same. I mean, the Devil Wears Prada, Attack Attack, and then Asking Alexandria. That's pretty much how that rolled out. And, and then the prophecy. That's another good one uh, that has that little, uh, that little nice little intro with the piano and stuff, and it comes in going dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they had, and then of course we were just talking about the song where dude was talking about his dong, but not that wasn't the, the whole. Not the American average. It was like the the whole song wasn't about his dick, but it was just like him talking about. Ra- yeah, it was talking about ragging out a chick, pretty much. It's ragging, like a lot of ragging out a chick. <laughs> they got a really. Out of slut. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. As far as a guilty pleasure goes, like I definitely thought that the like the melodic aspect of like that album when they would sing and stuff. It's like it usually like they kind of killed it. Like it was like, man, this shit just sounds so good. Like, and that was like a big selling point for me at the time because I was like, well, you know, th- if you, I've always said as far as metalcore goes, probably going to be nice for you to have a little bit of. Not everybody feels this way, but to complete it for me, have some good singing in there. And like, yeah, I think from what I hear, a lot of people say that like the lead singer of Ace Alexandria has a great voice. Like he has a pretty good. Oh, he does okay, so, good cleans. Yeah. Okay, say so, so for that per album. uh Danny uh, Warsnop, the lead singer, he's 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 got the growls, he's got the lows, he's got the highs. Uh, he does have really good clean vocals. He also has better on record. <laughs> but also Bruce, the uh, I think the rhythm guitarist, Bruce, he he can also sing a little too. So, well, that that makes sense. They probably passed back and forth the responsibility, especially if they he would they were both singing back then. I'm sure because that was a lot more standard for you to not have a vocalist who was doing both the fucking actual singing and the screaming. A lot of people would kind of double it up. You know, you got. Hey man, hey man, Jeremy from Data River can do it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, he really can. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> can't can't get mad at that one. I, I can't argue that. That's also why they were probably like a, a much bigger band than most of the bands that we're talking about here. So. Uh, Dave, I, that's not why, but I'm just saying, like, that is a huge plus that your front man can do both things. But I mean, motherfuckers weren't you, rapping. You don't, rapping. be belting out them damn ballads, boy. Hey, darling, I'll be here tonight. Oh, all right. That guy's really different. That guy set a new standard for artists in the uh, underground scene. <laughs> he is a, a, a an anomaly in himself. He's kind of like the, I didn't remember, was like the Drake of, uh, of the underground yeah. Which, yeah, good point, because I was listening to him at the, at the same time. I was listening to Homesick and So Far Gone at the same time. I was like, man, I'm emotional for no reason. Now. Man, those, those two albums stayed on the car. The, yeah. The way that they... You just sat. <laughs> the whole ride. It's funny how, like, the evolution has become, like, it's, like, standard now for, like, like people will take those sounds and build their own sounds off of it. Well, yeah. obviously they they did that for the past 10 years at least. And we'll just say like, you think about it, the reason why they were so badass back then was because like for some white reason, you take this one sound and this other sound, put them together and it works. It's not, it doesn't feel forced, you know what I'm saying? Which uh, we're not here to discuss Drake or, uh, uh, oh no, man! Hell, man! You see, we gonna be no. It'll be a whole different. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to talk about a day to remember. And the, but back to what the initial thing was: asking Alexandria. You know, they had good high, they had good singing, good melodies, and they had good screams, especially in those first two albums. Uh, you know, as far as the third one goes, I mean, 
he won't be a rock star so goddamn bad, but I don't we guess we don't have to jump jump ahead too fast. <laughs> anyway, James, carry on. Uh yeah, so first album by them was decently it was decently enough that I enjoyed it to keep and at least keep up date with them at the time. Uh I I would say the first album was probably the most successful one. And then out came Reckless and Re, uh, Re, Relentless, mm-hmm. which that's when they're just like, fuck it, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, baby. Yeah, and they killed it. Like, they did image-wise, like, the way that there was so much content, like, online of Asking Alexandria and just that that music in general was so much not, not to mention they did that little documentary, little uh, video thing of Danny getting fucked up and on – Fucking everything. Just, yeah, just he, everything. Well, one of the girls like drugged him and shit, and they had to be late for a show and shit. So I think that's my favorite asking Alexandria. What a lifestyle. Yeah, it's probably my favorite one too, honestly. And the, video, has, the video sells it for sure, but the song itself is just so complete. Yep, uh, especially with the uh, closure to the stage, uh, Reckless and Rentless, uh, Dear Insanity, Dedication. What's Diablo and the March and another bottle down. So, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, that says right here during an interview with Fallen Blue, Danny Warstop said on an album cover, uh, he wanted something shocking. So he had famous porn actress Bella Donna just sitting in the dirty room. I didn't know that girl was a porn actress, but now it's like Danny further discussed someone somewhere. A song off the new album is the first that I wrote the lyrics using my emotions as the, a backdrop. Uh, mm. It's like, bro, you just talk about how you were getting drunk and how you wanted to have sex with a suicide girl or something. Stop. Just well, calm down. <laughs> well, there was, there was, not only for that, you know, they also had, uh, oh, God, what's the name of the, uh, Sebastian, whatever his name was from Skid Row in it. God, what was his name? Sebastian Bach. I guess. I, I just, something like that. They had him in the video and they had Bella, whatever the fuck her name is, the porn star. And they also had another porn star in it. So, why not? <laughs> they, were just, they were just living it up, boy. Yeah. And then out came the third album, uh, From Death to Destiny. And yeah, that's, I think where, I that one. that's where they started getting that uh, more of a mainstream kind of sound, even though they're still screaming in it. Right. Also produced by Joey Sturgis, by the way. Right. All, uh, all three of those albums. Right. So the Death of Me was the biggest one off of that. And that was uh, more or less like two versions of it. You had the metalcore version, you had the uh, radio version. Then you had um, killing. They had killing you, which was the weird sex party going wrong video, trapping the girl inside the vending uh, machine. Uh, breaking oh, yeah, the walls, moving yeah. on. Uh, oh, Howard was yeah. Howard was on this album too uh, yeah, until the end. Until the end. Yeah. Uh, Poison believe creature. Don't Pray For Me, Run Free, all those albums, uh, all those songs on this album. This is where I pretty much just fell off. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, it, it, all of those bands start eventually, you know, it's a, it's a formula, it seems like. It's like if we did at this well and our reach is this wide and all of our analytics match up properly, we can start going to this different genre now. <laughs> you know, like where they... Yeah, but see, wasn't this round of someone like Danny ended up getting way too lost into the 
into the drugs and into the hoes and into the, the beer and shit. And like, he ended up fucking his voice up or something. I'm pretty sure shortly after that, I think, yeah, I think you're right, but I'm pretty sure shortly after that also, he tried doing the solo thing for a while. And he, yeah, D- Danny jumped off into the solo thing and they got, what's his name? Uh, Dennis Stoff to come in and do vocals and they put out the black. Uh, three years later too. Yeah. They put out the black three years later and then Danny came back for their self title. Asking Alexandria, and then they—he's been there ever since then. Yeah, it's so. like a clear. I don't know if you guys ever saw any of the footage of him like doing his own thing. It was straight cockhole music, like, like, oh my god, like big city dudes dressing like cowboys or some shit. Like, I know it sounds weird, but like, it was seemed so fraudulent. <laughs> so fraudulent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <Okay. laughs> So yeah, that's that's uh. It's like, and that's it. We gonna cut off. <laughs> yeah, there's those uh the first Yo, three albums Ed, by them. Ed so. Sheeran was on Asking Alexandria. Was on the Asking Alexandria record. Was he really? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a new one. Yeah. Or the House of Fire one, whatever one it was. God damn, Ed is just out here doing it, dude. He said, "Who cares? Let's go." He's like, "I did a song for the Hobbit, and yeah. I'm good to go." <laughs> Yo, that song went hard as a motherfucker. I, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so I mean, from from what I'm hearing, basically, it just seems like they were really, really hot amongst scene kids. I remember seeing a few documentaries about them. I guess kind of like, I mean, would you kind of say they were the Beatles of the scene for a while? I think it was their image, but I would never say yeah. they were that. that yeah, I would, I would, yeah, I would. I say mean, when it comes to like scene kid music, I mean. There's other Is bands it, out there doing the same thing, but I think they're the ones who got the most yeah. hype and I mean stuff it, off of it. It's kinda like I think I think the first two albums they kind of blew up real, real hard off of that. And they were like seeing legends for a good minute. And then after that, it just kind of went downhill. Yeah, and you can look at it this way as well. Like, I mean, okay, so the the imagery that they put off and like the the vibes that they put off was that rock star shit. They leaned into it, especially after the first album. It's like that you could tell they were clearly still seen, but it was more like they wanted to look like an 80s band as opposed to looking like a, you know, fucking, you know, metal. They weren't wearing dungaree pants and band T-shirts. This is is pants anymore. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they're still wearing tight pants. It looked like they were trying to copy the whole entire Motley Crue lifestyle. Oh, okay. Yes, they're trying to be like the Motley Crue with the same music. Exactly. I I mean, I I guess I kind of understand why they would do that, though, because I guess to a certain extent, it's like, this may have been during a few years when maybe scene wasn't cool anymore or something, or people were kind of starting to make fun of the whole emo thing. Sure. I guess maybe they were trying to get away from that whole. Uh, it, it was mature. Thing. It was mature, and it brought back like a nostalgic, like rock star feeling because yeah. for, for so long, like you got to think this is the era. This is them trying to go against the grain and making it seem like they were because at the time, that's when it was blowing up on the scene. People trying to make vlog videos and shit. Like as a band, you have to make better content. This is before content was obviously a necessity. It's like the bands that did more content and connected with their uh, fans. I mean, that's a whole thing in the industry in general with just social media and how the more access <clears throat> you have to the artists that you love, the closer you feel to them. And the more, you know, this is standard practice for us to think about now. It's like everybody has to be so vulnerable. Well, with asking Alexandria, they were like, you know what? Nah, we're fucking rock stars. That's the energy they gave off and their fans reciprocated that energy. 
even if it was the same scene kids that were listening to him before, plus a few more, they were like, okay, well, the girls are still going to flaunt and act like they're going to die if they don't suck their dicks. And <laughs> and the dudes are going to be like, fuck yeah, dude, ask me Alexandria. And it's like... So they, chug, chug a beer and then like punch some dude out for no reason. <laughs> right, and older people felt like they would want to go to their shows too because they don't have to look at a bunch of kids wearing eyeliner anymore. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> dudes on stage are the ones wearing eyeliner. Yeah, I get you some dude who's like 40 years old, 50 years old with his kids. Kids like, yo, bro, these ba- this band ain't for pussies, dad. And he's like, okay, I thought you were gay, son. Like, <laughs> like, like I kind of feel like maybe like the, a toxic, <laughs> a toxic group of people just like, hell yeah, we yeah. love this band. We're gonna get, we're gonna get laid. Hey, I bet I know what they was asking her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's> a- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know that boy gets his pecker sucked every time he goes out the tour. Buddy. Like, like, like you know, it's probably some wild crap going on out in that crowd. But like, I'm talking about like a 50 year old probably gets sucked up by like a girl oh, that's yeah. like questionable of questionable age <laughs> with the, with the son. <laughs> and she just out there for the team. Can you imagine them performing at a festival in the UK? Like, I bet it's nuts, dude. I bet people like literally like hang themselves out there like this is where i want to die <laughs> <get> that excited. <laughs> people get excited they sort of kill themselves you know they ain't gonna make i no feel like this is my chemical romance <laughs> they ain't gonna make no documentary about that that's for sure good lord <laughs> anyway but yeah great band for what it's worth i hope that they've uh, done well for themselves in the later years but uh i do I understand that- they've been killing it from the later uh i say killing it but the fans are just like we still like y'all i guess even though y'all like close to 40 and <laughs> yeah i listened to them i listened to uh something they had put out probably about three or four years ago when i still lived in macomb by the graveyard you remember that alex when they were there by the graveyard they had put something out and it was a music video and i was like this shit's pretty tight but like i didn't check up after that like i had not listened for a while before then either so i see them pop up every now and then online some of my uh i would say like younger homies still talk about them like because they're like the azalea dying of kids now they're like the old band that was around before you but anyway <laughs> and that's asking alexandria I guess. James, James, do you have any closing statements on them? I'm sorry. Uh, Ask Alexandria. First three albums. Uh, first one was decent. Second one was the best. Third one, you went mainstream. Congratulations. You sold out and lost your singer and then got him back. Uh, <laughs> uh, closing statements is uh, check out the first. Go check out any catalog of any of the bands we talked about, first of all, because you might like them other than what we do. You might be going to the next show and getting on stage and saying you love Danny and raping him on stage for all we know. Yes. Whipping but- out. Even though I think he's married. <laughs> he's like, I don't care. My wife is a whore. <laughs> I got your change right here. Uh, anyway, go check out their catalog. Uh, like I said, the first three albums is it for me. After that, they fall off. Uh, yeah, great band overall. They probably have had more success than any other metal. They probably had some of the best success as a metalcore band than some of the other ones out there recently over the years anyway, but now we're going to build into the Delaware's product. I will say this. <clears throat> These days bands have so much more opportunity for like, you know, endorsements and promotional things. There's so much more avenues to make money 
than just having to fucking be on the road all day, every day getting paid. Dude, shit. just get on TikTok. Well, just, <laughs> just, just, TikTok. just get on TikTok and, and argue with Slipknot or something and then get in with the, with the new young crowd of, of, uh, emo revival kids and then you'll blow up. I bet everyone. You get with Travis Barker. I bet every one of the members of Asking Alexandria has a TikTok. I, I, doubt bet, it. I bet you they do. I don't have TikTok to look it up, but I bet you they do. <laughs> Listen, dude, Facebook just like plummeted in their stock, which they'll recover. But the re- uh, Mark Zuckerberg himself said that it has to do with TikTok. <laughs> More people are spending time on TikTok now than they were than they are on. Facebook. Yeah, but like TikTok is a spinoff for them, so he's still getting money. I mean, yeah, but they don't own that. That's not a part of their property. It's the metaverse, bro. It's all the same thing. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. We're not here to debate that. Uh, band two, uh, the Devil Wears Prada. Uh, I don't know. I mean, James, I feel like you probably listened to the Devil Wears Prada, obviously, back in the day. Uh, I used to listen to them as well. Uh, I well wasn't this a movie with like Meryl Streep? And, I'm actually and, not gonna lie. The last album I really listened to by the Devil Wears Prada was 818. Let me that see was 2013. Dude, wow. That, that is crazy. And you know what, though? It looks like they've only, no, they put out three projects since then. Jesus Christ, dude. They have so many projects. But I mean, I guess that's a good thing. They have been a band for a long time. So it's good that they put out a bunch of music in that time period. It Emily Blunt was in this movie. That's the only thing. I, I keep seeing the movie. This. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to the worst part of band. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> their first album um, amazing amazing yeah chances are we could go through you know it'd probably be better for us to like plan ahead and actually read through like the intros of let's see dear love a beautiful discord yes that's plagues what roots above and branches below sounds like they're gothic <laughs> quite dark well, a lot of their imagery for this first album looked like it had like like uh, old angel uh like it was, an, it was like an angel statue with like a pure piece of sunlight coming through in the dark clouds in the background. It was like very beautiful. Yeah. They, they were one of the bands of the new generation or newer generation that, uh, leaned into that whole, like naming the song, just whatever the fuck. Cause kind of like how Fall Out Boy did. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like, uh, but even bands like the chariot, like, and Norma Jean, like they had like weird ass names for their songs. I, I think, I mean, we've talked about Under Oath, obviously, on this show, but, like, they've had some songs that were just, like, some deep poetic bullshit. It's like, what is this, dude? The Stanchers <laughs> is walking out your front door. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> All the people knew about that is motherfuckers who watched Lord of the Rings <laughs> read the book. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe naming shit. And it's funny, though, if you think about it. I get it. But anyway, uh, Dogs Can Grow Beards All Over was on this album. Swords, Dragons, and Diet Coke. I'm pretty sure you probably listened to that a lot, didn't you, Shane? That's actually a really good song. There's plenty of good jokes, but it was one of the best songs on there. Uh, but it also came, that song was out, I believe, on there, MySpace. Or maybe I'm thinking of, I don't know. Modi- modify the, pro- modify the pronunciation was the one you're thinking about. That's, Cause that's the one that was on the MySpace that had the video for it where they were at, at the show and they're going oh, yeah. back and moving with the guitars. Cause I remember sitting in your house and we were sitting there just like mouth wide open, amazed by this. Yeah, that song was crazy. We thought it was the coolest shit in the world. And dude, there were so many bands. Well, I will get into that in a little bit. But I, I remember listening to all these songs and always thinking like, man, this song is dope. Like this song is dope. But then it was like it would get to like number nine. And that song was like, la, 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 God, I die, God, I die, God, I die, But it was just like, 
I don't know. It was a weird song. It didn't have. It had like two parts the whole song, and then right after that was. I don't know what he said, but modify, <laughs> modify the pronunciation. Yeah, this this album, uh, you know, dogs who grow beards all over. Um, Rosemary had an accident. These all of these songs were uh were great, <laughs> and, and these this band was definitely the shit when they first came out. Uh, and I know that they spoke to the soul of a lot of us, uh, you know, scene goers and they were like a Christian band at the time. And that was kind of like standard. We almost always exclusively listened to Christian bands. And then, you know, we discovered white chapel and said, what are we doing here? <laughs> well, to be fair at the time, that's the only thing our little town was known for was Christian metalcore bands. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's like, you're listening to Christian punk music, Christian metalcore, something like Christian hardcore. It's all of yeah, straight edge. Because I mean, you either went to you either went to a show at a church, you went to a show that was Christian oriented, a right. place, That's or <laughs> you either went to a, a show at a church, or you only got booked at the venue because it was Christian bands, <laughs> right? If you try to bring in a band from out of town that's like not a Christian band, they're like, we're not, you're not booking that here. <laughs> You're not sacrificing kids on our. I can see. I mean, I can see that being pretty good. <laughs> I can see that being a pretty good come up, though, because I mean, I guess at the time that was like the only way that people could actually play shows was at these churches, at these big ass churches. New Heights, man. New Heights is where it was. Yeah, <laughs> uh, apparently. It, it first Baptist of Summit. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely that it was the thing to do. For sure. If you weren't like a, somebody that's like, man, I got to go to the football game every Friday or something like that. The shows was the pretty. That's cool. what the sin was. You couldn't do that over there. Football games were the fights when and hey, alcohol was. I, I was going to say football games in Macomb was a little different than football games in North Pike. But still. Oh, we just fought all the time. <laughs> like, I don't know what y'all had going, but it was like every time South Pike got away. Hey, that was it. Oh, no. got shot. <laughs> I just joking. I, I've been to, I know, I've been to both. And uh, as a young adult, I have never witnessed a fight at a Macomb game, but I've only been to a handful. I say as an adult, as a teenager or whatever. But when we were kids, we went to two games, and I remember both times we went because my mom was like, we're not going to the damn game no more. Because <laughs> my dad was always like, yeah, we're going to the game. But there was two times that we went, <laughs> and there was people fighting. And I remember my mom. He's like, your dad probably like, man, this is great. <laughs> this is awesome. Oh, yeah, like, fuck it. They want none, no beef with us. So we've got kids. They don't want to fight us. <laughs> but it's like, it's just funny. And then eventually, uh, later on in life, I obviously went to more games. It doesn't matter. Great album. <laughs> you went to shows. Great album. You went to fights. <laughs> uh, Christian bands was the thing. And plus, like, you don't even really hear about new Christian metalcore bands. No. Oh, here's the thing about it. I mean, if, you, if you're looking for new Christian metalcore bands or Christian deathcore bands, there's one label that you're just going to have to stick to, and that is still Solid State Records. They had stood by that. So if you're if you're wanting that type of music, Solid State's where you got to go. Yeah, they've kind of got a monopoly on it, it seems. Yeah, because even like oh, Impending Doom, even that was like the death core Christian band, and now they're just like, fuck God, Satan it is, <laughs> breakdown. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I think, breakdown. I think, Christ, no. I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no more Christ. No more Christ. Okay, Silent Planet. Yeah, because I'm sitting up here trying to figure out, like... Silent Planet. What, yeah, so, like, yeah, Solid State yeah, Records. I'm trying solid, to figure yeah. out, like, who they got. 
Yeah, they're a Christian band. They're 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 a realist. Uh, how to put? It, they're a realist Christian band, but they also speak on heavy topics too, yeah. like suicide, uh, P, P, uh, P, PTSD, yeah. uh, racism, and stuff like that. Popular. So. Yeah, I remember like, like Sam mental, mental talking to me racism. about it. Yeah, so Sam I mean, was like, "This is a good band." I was like, "Yeah, they actually are." That's yeah, pretty much like the only Salad. band I know from now. Yeah, Salad, Salad Plan is really good. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot about Salad Plan. I've never really listened to them that much, but uh, well, you should. I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah. no, actually, yeah, look them yeah. up. They're really good because not only does the lead singer he scream, but he also gets like that little really gets into that really fast rapping style too in most songs. That's what's up. Yeah, I heard they're pretty spastic. Like. uh like, but they tour with all the other bands that I listen to from this era, Kubla Khan or like Knock Loose, or I, I would say like Sworn In whenever they were a band. I don't know, but Gideon. Sworn In. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Sworn In? Not a band oh, anymore, I don't think. But I'm um, I'm I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knock Loose, yeah. pants you know down. I'm like, all right, yeah. You know who Knock Loose is. I think, yeah, ain't they like kind of hardcore or whatever? They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're that me and uh, Sam used to listen to. I was like, ding, 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 oh, okay, arf, yeah, yeah. arf, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> I was like, that's funny. <laughs> that vocalist sounds like he is in a substantial amount of pain and fear whenever he screams. <laughs> that's what you want. That's how you're supposed to get it across. <laughs> Let, let these let these thirty somethings know that we're all in fear and pain. We have to relate to it. The Devil Wears Prada. Ever since this first album came out, actually, they uh, you know, they kind of it's almost. I feel like they've practically headlined every tour that they've ever been on. But maybe not these days. They probably don't. But uh, anyway, moving on to their second album. You know, Plays. we've established how super into the first album I was, but. There was the next album was great, also uh recorded by Joey Sturgis. Goats on a boat. <laughs> yeah. Hey John, H- what's your name again? HTML rules, dude. These songs were staples in the fucking underground Christian metal scene. But this is when they broke out beyond Christian metal. Like people were like, Oh my god, like this band is the shit. Reptile King of the Ozone. Yeah, this kind of seems at least funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, they they stuck with it. I mean, number three, never forgot. You can't spell crap without C, featuring Craig Owens. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and these, I mean, they had, like, they're, they sold so much merch, too. Like, I remember that being, like, a big deal. Like, there were so many people that had Devil Wears Prada merch. Like, and they, they leaned into that Reptar shit. Like, they had so many different designs with Reptar on it. And, uh, yeah, like. I could never find a shirt in my size. I always got pissed off. Yeah, they, James, you know what it was, bro. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't meant. It, it ain't meant for big, big boys, man. I know it's because I'm it fat. It's, it's, it's all, it's all about like if you can't fit into some girl skinny jeans and wear like a small tank top, it ain't for us, bro. <laughs> but yeah, so this album, I remember uh, the a lot of people were super big into uh into them once this album came out because they were one of those bands that they never came off the road either. They were constantly touring. And, uh, you know, that was the grind for bands back in the day, especially if it's like, I mean, you not like you were getting stupid money. Uh, but still these, you know, these music videos were the ones that started getting played on like fuse and shit. 
Like this would have been that like, but that's also back when like Fuse was playing stuff like this still. It would probably only be like Fuse late night. Like, uh, what was that chick name? The metal or like the MTV Headbangers Ball. Yeah, Headbangers Ball. Yeah, yeah. That black haired chick who used to come on Fuse at some point at night. Forgot her fucking name. But yeah, that that was like the the niche point of because I think Fuse is mainly like playing the well known. Oh, uh, like Paramore, Flyleaf, and all of those shit. Sure, yeah, but it's like you know you could get that shit at like you know two thirty in the morning. They're playing like yeah, metal yeah, like BET uncut. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. A- MTV After Hours or something, but it wouldn't be on MTV Hour After Hours. Maybe you could find it, like you said, on Headbangers Ball. But uh, and I remember, you know, I don't want to say that I discovered any bands that I ended up loving watching Headbangers Ball, but. Every time I saw a band on there that I knew already, I was like, holy shit, like that's the coolest thing in the world. They're on MTV right now. It's like not a band that I knew personally, but a band that I had been privy to prior to watching that episode. No, I, I didn't think you knew him personally. <laughs> you didn't even have to put that in. <laughs> hey, you, you don't know nothing about my friendship with Children of Bodom. Right? I hope, good. I don't know who it is. <laughs> Okay, good. It, you're not missing out on anything, but <laughs> yeah, Blake's was a great album. They blew up. They did their thing. But also something I would like to mention in this argument that I think is very important, the amount of bands that the Devil Wears Prada influenced, like the sound that the Devil Wears Prada had on their first two albums, like was ripped and robbed like by everyone. I, I mean – Everywhere, every town, little town you go to in south of part, the southern part of North America, there is a band that wants to sound just like with Blood Comes Cleansing and or the Devil Wears Prada. Like, That's true. Like every town you went to and maybe some t- some towns would have uh, the you know, everybody's got one of them songs with the southern some shit like that because Maylene was also encro- encroaching. I mean, so would you say they appeal to like a lot of, they had like a lot of Southern riffs or something? Uh, the Devil Wears Prada, not so much. It's just the fact that I, that was where I would spend most of my time if I was getting out of my hometown, was just in different places in the South. And it was yeah. all these, so I imagine that a band like the Devil Wears Prada, especially judging by the fact that they toured all over the country, they probably had a reach to people up North. So bands up there are probably doing the same shit. I mean, all these bands that are getting that's the sound like the bands that are getting signed or whatever are sounding like fucking devil wears prada and joey was always right there just going all right step into the booth let's do this exactly that's my style that's my signature right there (laughs) something that i can already say about doing this episode of the podcast is i've learned how important this joey sturgis dude was because he's produced all of these albums we've talked about right here and he he produced all these side bands that we're talking about too pretty much yeah like like i said go watch the 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 punk rock nba's uh little thing on him he literally just like he's got a legacy it could be for the worse or it could be for the better so yeah as of right now who knows (laughs) well it's clearly worked out for joey (laughs) i don't know yeah yeah just it's like, like them, them bands be- weren't being paid crap back then. Yeah. <laughs> Joey's like, shit, oh, yeah. I'm going to get mine. Yeah, he, he did get his, it seems like, on some of these bigger albums, especially in the 2010s. So he's Gucci. He was smart to stick with these bands and keep doing right by them. Uh, but yeah, so the third album, which was also a pretty wild, big, massive release. Uh, most of these bands last it's pretty hardcore uh, to people like us for three albums. I think we can say the same thing about a day to remember. But with, uh, with Roots Above and Branches Below. 
Yes, that's yeah. the, the the Devil Wears Prada's third album came out May fifth, two thousand and nine on Ferret. Danger Wild Man. Yeah, and uh, this was the album that had that. I don't remember what the name of the song was. But, uh, ED Skrillex was on it. No, nah, it, it just it had synth. It was like synths going. Oh, yeah, okay. Simple. I think that was a uh, big wiggly style. I think so too. It just yeah. started out with that breakdown. And, yeah. Uh, that shit was the the shit right there. Do we ride around, pull up to like a uh, like an old well site, drink a four loco, and put that song on and just hardcore dancing? <laughs> it's just start hardcore dancing in a gravel pit. That sounds real cool. It's not, but a lot of people. I know. No, I, sarcasm. <laughs> but I understand, I understand. I think, like, I guess, through the mind of, like, I guess, of, of a scene kid, that would be amazing. It's like, yeah, man, why are they doing random shit? <laughs> just Dancing like, and stuff. Just wilding out. But uh, Des Moines was a pretty popular song as well. Uh, yeah, so was Assistant Regional Manager. I hate buffering. Lord Zenu. Yeah, look, they've got a song. The, begin- the second song is called I Hate Buffering. Yep. <laughs> so stupid. Assistant to the regional manager, the office reference. Yep. And then, uh, Wapaka, Wapaka Leps. Wapaka Number eight on the album. And every time it came on, I was just like, what? And has a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this album did, uh, you know, pretty damn well to my understanding. Uh, let's see. The album entered the Billboard 200 at 11. That's crazy. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, with sales of 31,000 in the first week, making it the band's most successful album at the time of its release. The album also peaked at number one on the Billboard's top independent artists, top hard rock albums, and Christian albums. <laughs> yep. You got to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The, the the first material release from the album was the song Des Moines. It was uploaded to the band's MySpace profile on March 13, 2009, and was released as a free download for fans on the band's co-headlining U.S. tour with the Dater member Emerosa and Sky Eats Airplane. Taylor, she's... Ain't that Emerosa? Oh, Am I wrong? Yeah. God, yeah. Okay. This thing says yeah. on that tour, they offered fans special download cards for the songs Des Moines and Assistant to the Regional Manager. And the money was also available for a Guitar Hero World Tour. Yeah. Damn, <laughs> that's crazy. Sounds like this. And this was, I'm pretty sure that all of these albums, let's see, Asking Alexandria, that the Stand Up and Scream came out in 2009. Yeah. And this, this album that we're talking about with Roots Above and Branches Below, that album came out in 2009. So this is all the stuff that pretty much they did right to when Asking Alexandria took the torch and ran with it. So, I mean, like, let's let's well, get off into a little... <laughs> yeah. <I'm laughs> sure. Let's get off into a little bit, I guess, the, of, uh, I guess the pit analysis of this. Considering that uh, Devil Wears Prada was basically out before Asking Alexandria, would you say that Devil Wears Prada, um, would you say that they kind of, you know, influenced them? Or... Was a major influence to asking Alexandria or seeing music overall? Well, no doubt that Devil Wears Prada had some kind of influence over any kind of band back in that time. Yeah, because no matter what, Devil Wears Prada was the OG metalcore one. Was one of the OG founding metalcore bands for that sound, what they had. So any other band that comes after 
you know, you can be like, oh, well, they copied that sound. So, I mean, yeah. you, there's influence in it. Because yeah, I'm yeah. saying, like, like, because I remember, like, I think, well, it seems like 2009, 2010 was kind of when everything kind of, I guess, when the scene core kind of, like, built up into what it became, I guess, later on. But 2006, when the Devil Wears Prada first came out, that's that's early. That has to be kind of like one of the earliest bands that was doing that type of thing. You see, to see the scene the, with metalcore music stuff about 2012, 2013, it died. Like, yeah. it died. It died. It was okay, a short run. Okay. <laughs> it, it died. Yeah. It wasn't until like 2015, 2016 when it picked back up and it became what it is now. So. Basically what happened was Metalcore finally found a way to make money like everybody else did because the basically what was the scene just became like, I don't want to say it doesn't make sense now, but it became hot topicified. It's like when they took all those. It got corporate. Yeah, exactly. It's like when they took Linkin Park and they took fucking Corn and System of a Down and all those bands and put them on that pedestal. Well, then they got the whole new era of bands that they could do that with, and they figured out how to do that. And then it kind of killed like the in between like market. Like there was no like it was either you were a star because there was a million bands at that point as well. And once the market is oversaturated with yeah. music that's just following, it's the same thing that happens in rap music. But it's like when everybody is chasing the same sounds, it's so oversaturated, and there was so many more bands. So then you right, know, right, got- and every ba- and every band sounded this exactly the same too. So exactly. So when it comes to like building new artists, like in, in, to the point of it's like. Things gets down to when it gets down to where there's such a hierarchy of artistry, and it's like, oh well, now nobody is wanting to be creative anymore, and that's the problem. Is people stop being creative, and then obviously there was a resurgence of creativity. People bringing something new to the table in recent times, but it's still no match for. Well, I mean, I think, and I may be wrong about this, but I also think it's because it's like it never really got out of being a niche. I felt like the closest bands that got close, got real close to being like mainstream had to be a day to remember. Maybe a few other bands, but I think uh, like uh, uh, Bring Me the Horizon broke out. Yeah, Bring Me the bring Horizon. horizon. A day to remember under a under a broke out. All right, they broke out. Like there's rappers or like rap artists, not or people listen to rap who's listening to Under Oath. Okay, I actually in my store I work at. I have a couple of people that ask me about uh, Under Earth or ask me about these old like metal metalcore bands or like newer metalcore bands if I heard of them, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know about them. I listen to them. They're like, well, you know, the only thing I ever listened to has been Drake, Kanye, or uh, XS to uh, you know XX um, bands like that. And they're just like, well, I'm trying to get into heavier stuff. What do you what would you recommend? And I'm just like, uh. Just go to Spotify. Here's a list. In, <laughs> go to Spotify, type in Metalcore. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, yeah. So it was like you had the the success stories, like, you know, Under Oath and a few of those other guys. But it's kind of like, I think right around the time, like 2013, 2014, I remember I was watching some TV show on, uh, on uh, MTV, and they had, like, a song by A Day to Remember playing. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, this is, it's getting real. It's getting real. And then of course, like the next few years after that, I think like rap blew up and then that was it. So it was kind of like right as it was starting to get to a fever pitch, it just kind of dropped off. Right. Or like music overall moved on to something different. One thing that sucks to me about the, you know, any of this kind of music that we're talking about is it's very, it's so hard for any of these bands to become like that. I don't know if they do it on purpose or what, but. 
and I, I don't think they do it on purpose, but like, how, why don't these bands ever become household names? You know what I'm saying? Like they're like screaming probably one thing. Sure. It's like, but it's like, like why, how is that music not like, I don't know how, like you almost have to be the least amount plugged in in order to hear about any of these bands. I wouldn't say you had to be the least. Cause I mean, especially considering the day, whereas you have like the whole emo revival thing, like everybody thinks it's cool now, but it's like young fest. Yeah. Oh Lord. That's fire fest. I, I promise you. <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, even with or the, the emo offense, cruise. yeah, the emo cruise. Everyone there, there, kills himself at the end. There, there, there's this cruise by. Uh, you ever, you ever seen those videos? Emo's not dead. Matt, uh, Matt Mercer. Yeah, yeah, I know you. T- yeah, that he, guy. He, he, he actually got. He's got this cruise that's going off with like Simple Plan, Silverstein, Under Oath, and a couple of other bands. It's yeah. a cruise. It's a cruise, and it's just like it's the emo. Emo's not dead cruise, and I was just like, cool. Oh. We're, we're going. <laughs> Listen, there's, yeah, there's, but, uh, there's a reason why I want to hate on the cruise. Like, I mean, and the same thing is that thing they're doing in Vegas, which was clearly not set up by somebody who knew anything about that that culture. But like, I, I want to hate on that stuff so bad. But in the same breath, I also think about the fact that you know what we were just talking about a few minutes ago is like it's like there's not as many tiers for underground bands as e- that you could say like rap artists. Like, you get kind of big. As a rap artist, then you have a whole market that you can work with, work in, and then you get kind of bigger, and you have a whole other market that you got, you know, and it works like that. With this kind of music, it's like you have like three tiers, and it's like you're either like just another, you know, crab in the bucket, then you're like the crab that's on the side of the bucket, or you're the people that are just so goddamn big, like that. You, like asking Alexandria fits into that category for me. Like I, those guys are probably so set up because of the way things work. They get magazine deals. Like they get, you know, gu- like, oh, not guns. Jesus Christ. They might get guns. Well, I guess so. Maybe. <laughs> Beer and guns and women. Like when it gets to the point where people are paying you to come and be interviewed, that's the, that's like stupid money. You know what I'm saying? They go broke because they fuck off their money if that's the case. But it's like they, they're set. Like these guys have made for 10 years now, damn near. I mean, for 10 years, yeah. Like they've been touring and making money, and that the the way that they're so yeah. But see, uh, when you put them in the in the same boat as Paramore, it's not even okay. not even close. Absolutely. Or you put them in the same boat as a uh, fucking My Chemical Romance or whatever. Yeah, and you, Paramore fits into that category of uh, you don't have to be plugged in, and you could still come across their music somehow. Like yeah, yeah well, because Paramore Twilight, yeah, because <laughs> Twilight, yeah. But Paramore over the last out, a couple at least three or four albums, they changed their sound dramatically. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they went, they like they went from being that like that uh punk rock to pop punk EDM bullshit. Yeah, but I mean, you could go to any college campus right now and have a cover band get out there and play that fucking whoa, whatever makes you break. All of those, all of those people that are in that crowd are going to sing that shit because I got him where I want him now. Huh? Uh, no, yeah. And that's but, but see that, but like the point being is that it was always, it's like it was always on fuse. That was always on fuse. I say like Flyleaf would have probably got as big as them, but they just weren't because I think like their look was different. And they didn't make that type of like upbeat music. See, Misery Business was, it had a theme to it. It was as high school as you can possibly get. You know, the, the, the alternative girl who, who, who doesn't get anybody to like her gets uh, the hot girl and, and into an argument. I don't know. It was some kind of shit. Some Jennifer's <laughs> body type crap. 
Oh, I wasn't in that world, so I don't know. Yeah. Like, I saw the music video. I know it's kind of like, I guess this, you got to do Okay, look, 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 look. The Hunter Drive Misery Business album, it wasn't a concept album at all. It was just a bunch of hits on one album. So what it yeah. Was. It was they were good songs, though. It like, I ain't bunch. like, we, we can't cap about that. It was a bunch of hits. <laughs> it was a bunch of hits. Yeah, right, right. That's, that's yeah. the one word. Yeah, that album and the album that came out, like, right after that. And then they got a song on Twilight and they were gone, bro. Yeah. <laughs> they were gone. They, they see, see, they were able to kind of like get themselves into a little position where maybe it fit in with like, they were the alt teen, teeny bopper girl fantasy. That's what they were. But at the same time, like the songs were good. Can't, can't get mad at it. Like all we know is Fallen was good. Rob was good. Brand New Eyes was good. I even like Paramore, like the, the Paramore album. But, but yeah, anyway, before we start getting off into Paramore, I'm just saying that like, there were certain bands that were, that were getting like heavy airplay all the time. And those were the ones that pretty much ended up getting to the positions, you know, of being like legendary. Like I said, like they had, used to do this thing when they had like a, I guess like a playlist of all the songs. They had one for Underworld. They had one for Paramore. They had one for, like I said, My Chemical Romance, Flyleaf. Yeah. I think they had one for um, Kill Switch Engage. But it's like they would just repeat that over and over again. It's like, yeah. whereas I never saw anything for like asking Alexandria. I never saw anything from my children, my bride. I never saw nothing for <laughs> a day to remember until like the last few years. Right. See the, it, it, it's like every now and then you have, and it's, the, it's the same thing with rap. It's like every now and then I think they're just specific groups or bands of people that kind of like, they blow up. They're the ones who kind of represent that sound. They show up at a perfect time. Yeah. Cause I think hell like, Shit, Hey Monday was big, and she was just kind of like hey, Paramore, Paramore Pop, or Paramore Light. Yeah. I remember a lot of people were talking Cassidy about Pope, that. And then she did her own thing. Yeah, and there was another group of uh, Meg and Dia. Yeah. Okay, Roses. Yeah, they they were a group. So it was like that little alternative thing was was pretty big for a minute. But it's just certain groups that just blow up and. Yeah, and uh, one of the reasons why I say that about time is because, you know, an example is we were – like timing. An example is we were talking about Paramore. The cards aligned perfectly whenever that – you know, they they were already a touring band, obviously, like like, uh, Warp Tour stuff or whatever. But then it's like, okay, they get this song that bubbles up and goes crazy, and it's the perfect time. She's cute as fuck, okay? And the music is catchy as hell. And this is right when shit like Tumblr and stuff is blowing up. So it's like, oh my oh God, he's my <laughs> idol. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, like, it was like online on like MySpaces and stuff. Like people have her, pictures of her in there. People like, were cutting themselves over there, girl. Dude, for no damn reason. He <laughs> became a god. I'm not saying that their music wasn't good because their music was is great. It know, was. Right? It is. It ain't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah can't but, get mad at it. Yeah, it's like, but there's also stuff you find out later on down the line where like they, her dad is like her manager and that she like fired like the band and like replaced them with other people. Yeah, I think it's just her now. I think Paramore is just her. Well, it's, like, it's, it's her and two other, two, two other guys, two, two other, okay. other original band members. Oh, and, they, and of course fucking Panic at the Disco and Fallout Boy and all the other kind of crap. I mean, who? Like it, th- those, all that was just kind of, I don't know. I guess the popular scene. I yeah. guess if you want to call it that. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was the stuff that got the he- heavy airplay. Jim and Quest, Zero. 
Oh, their longevity, their longevity has definitely all of those uh, bands. No, Gym Class Heroes is not included. What I'm about to say, but all of those other Man. bands, like they just did it the right way. I mean, they, see, the problem is, is that they released the Paper Cut Chronicles too, and that was for the fans, and it went hard, and that was it. No, what, <laughs> what the problem is, Gym Class Heroes fucked up when Travis decided, oh, I'm going to do drugs and shit, and yeah, I, I'm going to come over here and do it. this, and then the, all of the other band members are like, we're done, bro. We're oh, done. We, we can't deal with you. Yeah. So that's what happened to Gym Class Heroes. And then and then he tried to do his solo shit, and like, it was, oh, it's all good, and he still Take was a look drugs. at my girlfriend. Yeah. Was that a solo thing? Is she the only one I got? No, that was on Gym Class Heroes. That okay, was, uh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I think he pissed away his contract with Gym Class Heroes. That was... uh. The, that, that was Cupid's Chokehold. Oh, yeah, Cupid's Chokehold. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was like yeah. their first big song. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Papercut Chronicles. I was on the Papercut Chronicles, and they moved it over to uh, the, the first big album. But Yeah, that was the one that blew up. I don't know what love is. That's a catchy-ass song. It is. Great album. Great album. So, closing remarks on them, Shano. Uh, I think that the Devil Wears product look, I mean, it's a, a classic case of passing the torch. I mean, it's weird to say it, but I mean, Ask Alexandria did <laughs> stood the test of time, especially, I mean, for the sake of all those bands. I mean, the, the, the pond, excuse me, the ocean is big enough now for multiple big fish. So, I mean, that kind of concludes both parts of that conversation, you know, like the ocean is vast now and the big fish exist and asking Alexandria. What? Is, Asking Alexandria is still is a big fish, and they can still exist pretty well for themselves in the uh, the pool of listeners. And I think that a data not a data member, uh, the Devil Wears Prada. I'm almost willing to bet you that most of those guys have other jobs. <laughs> so the guys who are in Asking Alexandria probably pay their bills for the most part with anything re- related to Asking Alexandria. And I don't think that the Devil Wears Prada is still doing that. So, damn man, <laughs> I hate to be just like, you, like they must not be getting no money for nothing. I mean, like no, bro, no, if no, I was no, 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 that new EP they put out, yeah, yeah, it, it went hard and like it broke, it it, it broke fucking uh, streaming streaming stuff. So they got they're getting something. Yeah, I mean they have a cult fan base that all pulls up whenever they've got something. But I'm just saying, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, but I just think that Asking Alexander is probably getting it. Shane, Shane, you do realize that you're on the side of Devil Wears Prada, right? Sure. <laughs> okay, look, at, like, at, yeah, at this not. point, at, at this point, we're just talking about him. Yeah, I, I, like, like, like we we didn't decide. There's no clear winner here. Like they, they passed off the torch, right? They did their job. Yeah, I think that the Devil Wears Prada. I'm just putting a summary to the conversation. Really, I'm sorry, uh, but the Devil Wears Prada was and still is obviously a great band. But as far as like them getting new young listeners, I don't think that's just happening at the caliber. Uh, you know, like I mean, I, it it could it could if it becomes popular. Sure. Like, let's say if MGK goes up there, like my favorite band is, is Devil Wears Prada. Right. Exactly. And it's like, I'm not necessarily saying that Asking Alexandria is still pulling in a bunch of youthful customers, but let's be honest, uh, they were doing it more recently than the Devil Wears Prada was. Yeah. So, and, and that would be kind of like to the same point. I really do just say it is like passing the torch. It seems like that history has told us that passing the torch is what happened between the two of them. Couldn't have said that at the time, but you could definitely say it now. <laughs> passing the torch. Yeah. It's true. 
So I think one of the next into the pits we're going to do is something that. Well, James, what do you think about the uh, the synopsis of the same same as you? You know, they devilish product came out, they killed it, and then you know out came Alexander. They took torch and ran with it. And well, I mean, I have a I have a pretty good question. Did the devil wear a product? Did they ever like switch up the sound the same way that asking Alexandria did? Absolutely not. Okay. No. no. They, they, they changed their style, but uh, a lot like they got darker really <laughs> more than anything else. Yeah. Which is pretty much a testament to at least you stayed true to your shit, <laughs> you know? I mean, cause it's not like, it's not like the Devil Wears Prada is not revered on like every top 20 list that you find for this genre of music and, and probably most top tens. I mean, the Devil Wears Prada is an outstanding fucking band and they're legendary, but in the same breath, recency bias is a real thing. And, uh, Asking Alexandria has definitely been doing a lot more for themselves, despite the fact that I couldn't tell you the name of a song for the past three albums. Well, there it is. <laughs> so one of the next Into the Pits we're going to do is uh, my co-host just just made a very interesting uh, point. Is uh, We're going to take Flyleaf versus Paramore. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Shano will be back for that one, of course. Hey, anytime you guys want me back, I'll be back. I promise. I'm gonna tell you right now, I love Flyleaf more. <laughs> <laughs> save it for the they, save it for they, the guys. They hit me. They hit me deeper. Flyleaf does have some bangers, dude. They have, and like- they're Christian. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I love her. <laughs> she's closest. To she, she's a different type of hot too. Like I ain't gonna lie. Like I, I will. Never mind. Let's. My, Let's, keep uh, this, uh, <laughs> Let's keep this up, PG. Let's keep this up, PG. The the guy who used to be the manager at Sound Shop, his name was Robert. This was like a long time ago. Obviously, a long, long time ago. He apparently made out with the girl from Flyleaf. Hey, I know that's a goddamn lie. Uh, Haley, what's her name? Haley, what? Not Haley. Uh, Lindsay. Lacey Strom, I think. Lacey Strom. Yeah. Okay. One of them. It was something like that. Is that her name? Yeah. Lacey, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. okay, I got you. Sweet. She hot. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying she couldn't get it. From Jesus some, Christ. From someone else, of course. <laughs> just, <laughs> Your wife just walks across, well, whatever, I, I, I do it too. <laughs> a, re- a red light start flashing in my video. It's like, bam, bam. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> so, Mr. Shano, where can yes, people sir. find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Shane is O that's S H A N E I S O, or you can listen to my podcast organic poison. So you can Google that, or you can go find it on Spotify or Apple. Uh, we're at like 75, 76 episodes and, uh, yeah, looking forward to, I have a, a I have a, uh, goal of getting 20 brand new people, mix them in with some of the other homies that have been on the show already. And that's my goal for the year. And I'm looking forward to it. Also going to hit uh, episode a hundred by the end of the year. I will not be on that episode when you have like 20 other people, I swear to God. I'm just like, yeah, I've got 17 people in the chat right now. It's organic poison. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then on the lookout for us, uh, we'll be doing a, uh, ca- uh, a cast on Microsoft's newest, uh, acquisition of, uh, Blizzard. Yeah, it's coming. It's, it's just coming. We're just waiting for a little bit more information to slide out because the FTC has their eye 
And they're making sure that there's nothing wrong with this. Anyway, I swear deal. to God, it better not be a monopoly. Because <laughs> I was watching some guy talk about it, and the dude was just like, this, this dude's involved in finances. And he's like, I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but it could be. <laughs> hey, when, uh, who owns, who is owned more by Chinese investments? What? Whoever has the most Chinese investments into them, whether it be Sony or Microsoft, that's the team that's going to win this whole debacle. I'm telling you. Okay. Sir Q and I. Good information. <laughs> no, dude. It's, it's not. China's just kind of killing it right now in the corporate world. Not really. Their shit's falling They're off. always killing it in the corporate world. What you mean? <laughs> As I say, I mean, I'm not trying to. Never mind. We'll talk. You guys can talk about it. Yeah. You just do whatever you do. Yeah, we're going to get on to that. Uh, and then be on the lookout within the next couple of months for a uh, music project from us. LA Hawk, what'd you do with the beat, James? I got it. I mean, what would you have you no, I put some to it? No, I haven't done okay. it. I haven't, no, I haven't had time. It's getting there, though. It's getting there. Hell yeah, hell yeah guys. But uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Like Shane, you're on it too. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I, didn't, I, like, didn't, yeah, man. I didn't know if I didn't know if that was the uh the same I don't know if you're talking about the song yeah the project's gonna be the shit yeah. I've already mm-hmm. heard some, I've already heard some of the stuff man man just dude this shit's fire bro I'm thanks privy. man I'm, <laughs> just, like, I'm just like I'm privy to the information before the rest of the listeners are okay no we, we ain't about to have no damn hipster culture up in this mug we ain't doing that the songs I'm on, <laughs> the songs the songs I'm on just don't come out you guys are like <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like we're purists man your attitude is trash <laughs> Damn it, Alex, you caught on. <laughs> Just clip it all out. Hilly and Hideout leaves chat. Xander leaves chat. <laughs>